Hopeful beginnings, adventurous middles, happy endings. The typical formula of a Disney film. Disney movies are known for their cheerful overtones, with the occasional dark or sad moment like Bambi's mother being shot or Gaston falling to his death. Whether or not he deserved that is up for debate. Happiness and joy are commonly equated with Disney stories. But what if I told you that some of these cheerful films have very sinister origins? I'm Bella. I'm Belle. I'm Aaliyah. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Macy. And this is Dark Disney. The original version of Rapunzel is a Grimm's brother fairy tale. This usually means that this is gory or even dark, but Rapunzel is actually one of the more tame stories I've heard. In it, a poor couple are fatally starving to death and their only food source is lettuce from their neighbor who is a powerful, potentially dangerous witch, and she agrees to let them have her lettuce if they give her their first daughter that the wife is pregnant with. The couple goes through with this, the witch gets the daughter, names her Rapunzel, which is German for lettuce, and took her away to a secluded forest. Rapunzel ended up growing up into a beautiful child with long golden hair, and she was locked away in a tower at the age of 12 with only one entrance and exit, a high window. One day, a prince saw the witch entering the high tower from Rapunzel's hair and realized that he could probably do this too if he came back later when someone wasn't there. He returned the next day around nighttime when the witch wasn't there and climbed Rapunzel's hair and scared her because she had never seen a man before in her life. The prince explained that he could help rescue Rapunzel and she agreed to come with him willingly if he could find a way out. Later, the witch returned and found out Rapunzel's plans for escape. She then cut her hair off, hung it outside the hook so she could still enter and exit, and banished Rapunzel to a desert. When the prince came back, he was met with the witch, who mocked him for trying to make Rapunzel escape. She explained to him how she was banished and how he'd never see her again, and he was full of so much despair that he dove out of the only entrance and exit and blighted himself on a thorn bush. He wandered around aimlessly for years feasting on berries and roots, until one day he found a desert and found Rapunzel. She cried and healed his blinded eyes, and he led her back to his kingdom, where they lived happily ever after. In the Disney version of Rapunzel, there is a magical flower that the main character, the witch, finds that has healing powers, and the witch tries to hoard this for herself. The queen manages to fall ill while she is pregnant with her daughter, and when the daughter is born, she ends up having the same healing properties as the flower. So the witch ends up kidnapping the king and queen's daughter to keep her young and keeps her locked up in a tower for most of her life. Until one day this young thief breaks into Rapunzel's tower and takes Rapunzel with him to explore the world. Later Rapunzel comes to the realization that the witch has ill intentions for her and she never actually cared about her and kept her around to keep her young. And and the thief slash love interest cuts her hair off, which takes away any powers that rejuvenated the witch, leaving her as a pile of ash. 
and Eugene and Rapunzel lived happily ever after. Specific aspects that were kept in the Disney version were that Rapunzel had long hair, had some kind of healing property, and was locked away in a tower for most of her life. Some aspects of Rapunzel were changed to keep the story a little more PG for Disney's sake. One of these being that the male love interest never dove out of a window, blinding himself in a thorn bush. However, other than this event that occurred in the actual Grimm's Brothers story, I'd argue that with Flynn Rider being stabbed by the witch with a dagger, that the Disney's version's a little more gruesome. through its 1989 Disney adaptation, follows a mermaid princess who is sick of swimming and ready to stand, wanting to learn about the human's world above her. But Disney's inspirations aren't as pure as the curiosity from the fiery redhead we all associate with this story. A refresher of this beloved tale. It's a story of a mermaid princess who decides she is unsatisfied with her world under the sea and wants to learn about the messy human world above, and to meet a man she had saved from the unforgiving sea. She makes a deal with a witch to give up her voice to gain some legs, with three days' time ticking away to snog the prince, or else she turns into something utmost undesirable. She tries to seduce her prince and get the happy ending and a snappy Disney tune alongside it that we all know and love. But that's where the story starts to spiral. The Little Mermaid's grandmother told her stories of the shores above and the wonders of humans and their ability to hold a soul. Unlike humans who die after a hundred years, mermaids do not have the privilege of being soul holders and never get to know the wonders of going to the heaven-like place after they pass. Instead, they live for about 300 years and turn into sea foam when it's their time to go. The Little Mermaid was given three days to kiss the prince or she would be turned into sea foam. In exchange for the deal, the sea witch takes her ability to speak. In the adaptation, we see the beautiful essence of Ariel's voice being taken and stored in a shell. But the original's method was to just cut her tongue out, making those three days near to impossible. Instead of the magical transformation we see in the movie adaptation, the Little Mermaid undergoes a painful transformation. As her tail changes to legs, she was made to feel as if she was being sliced in two by a blade, and with each step she took with the feet that grew, she walked with the pain of stepping on shards of glass. After the Little Mermaid's transformation, it's her along the shores and shelters her in the castle, and nurses her back to health. But because of her lack of speech, the Little Mermaid is never able to express her feelings for him. The prince only feels for her as a friend, or as a nurse would for their patient. Talk about friend-zoned, am I right? By the end of the story, the prince's feelings for the Little Mermaid never escalate. Due to that, after the Little Mermaid had left him on the shore from being saved, he was found by another princess, and they fell madly in love. So the prince gets married to this princess, and the Little Mermaid has accepted her fate to die at the hands of the witch's deal. However, as she readies to throw herself into the ocean to be turned into sea foam, 
Her sisters come to her with the news that she can instead kill the prince and return to being a mermaid. But her love being too great towards the prince, she refuses and throws herself to the waters. But this isn't where the story ends. Remember the wondrous stories of having a soul and the heaven-like place? Well, as Anderson would like to name them, the daughters of Air decide that because she proved just how pure her love for him is, by not killing him and sacrificing herself, earned her a one-way ticket into the heaven all soul holders get to reside in. So I guess, even with a gruesomely circuitous route, the Little Mermaid still got her happy ending. Cinderella, one of the most well-known and earliest Disney princesses with a dark origin. In the original written by the Grimm brothers, Cinderella has a rich father and a sick mother who ends up dying, which Disney also portrays in their film. The father remarries within a year because he thought it was important for Cinderella to have a mother figure. With this mother figure came two stepsisters. But unlike Disney's version, Cinderella's stepsisters are beautiful but still have a stone-cold heart. One day, Cinderella's father goes on a trip. He asks the three girls what he should bring back for them. The stepsisters demand beautiful clothes and jewelry, but Cinderella asks only for the first branch that brushes against the hat on the way home. The father returns with gifts for the stepsisters and a hazel branch for Cinderella. She plants the branch on her mother's grave, watering it with so many tears that it grows into a beautiful tree. The king of the land proclaims that a three-day festival will be held. At the festival, the king's son will meet all the beautiful girls in the country and she's a bride among them. Cinderella's stepsisters are invited to a ball being held on the first night of the festival. She begs to go with them, but her stepmother refuses. The stepmother breaks her promise, saying that Cinderella could, couldn't go to the ball. At this point, Cinderella visits the hazel tree on her mother's grave. Finally, to stop Cinderella from begging, she dumps a bowl of lentils into the ashes. If Cinderella can pick out all the good lentils, within the next two hours, she may go to the ball. Cinderella steps outside and calls to the birds, asking for help. The birds head over to the kitchen and peck through the ashes to help her sort through them. Presto, she's dressed in gold and silver in a golden gown and gold and silver shoes. Quickly, Cinderella heads off to the ball, where she far outshines the other girls. The prince spends the entire evening with her. At the end of the evening, she manages to slip away and return home first leaving her gown and shoes at her mother's grave. On the second day of the festivities, Cinderella waits till the rest of the family has gone before heading to the hazel tree. This evening, she is given a dress even more splendid than the first one. And the second evening passes, just like the first. On the third evening, the dress she's given far surpasses the other two. Again, Cinderella dances with the prince all night. He asks to take her home, but Cinderella runs down the stairs, which the prince has coated with tar, hoping to spot a clue to who she is. One of Cinderella's golden slippers sticks into the tar, and she has no choice but to leave it there. Now that the prince has Cinderella's shoe, he declares that he will marry whoever fits into the shoe. He searches every house until he finally gets to Cinderella's, and the two stepsisters get a chance to try on the shoe. Both of them cut off parts of their feet to make the shoe fit, but in the case, the birds call to the prince's attention to the blood spurting out of the wounds, revealing their feet. The prince asks Cinderella's stepmother if she has any other daughter that could try on the shoe. The mother replies that there is 
only our servant Cinderella, who possibly can't marry the prince. But the prince insists Cinderella be given a chance. The golden shoe fits Cinderella perfectly, and she and the prince become betrothed. On the wedding day, the two stepsisters come to the church, hoping to integrate themselves with Cinderella. But at the ceremony, two white doves peck their eyes out. <laughs> As punishment for their cruelty, they will be blind for the rest of their lives. Now, the purpose of this podcast isn't to say one version of the story is better than the other. Heck, I think most of us are a little biased towards the stories we grew up with. The purpose was to inform you listeners of the dark origins of these classic stories. And there are more where those came from. Next week, we'll cover Peter Pan, Snow White, and Sleeping Beauty. Thank you for listening to Dark Disney. Thank you.